Hey, I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. Thanks so much for downloading. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for data visualization designer, Nadee Bremer. I'm not the person that can do sales. I'm more the person that does, this is what I do. Look at it, and if you like it, please come and find me. If I work too long on the same project days after end, I sort of get creatively drained. And having multiple clients really helps me. I look forward to the next day when I'm working on the other thing. Oh, God, I have such stage fright. After I came off the stage, this feeling of adrenaline and rush and having told your story and then talking to the people afterwards about what you just told, it was something that after that point is like, oh yeah, this is stressful as heck. It takes a lot of time to create these presentations, but it's so much fun to connect to people in this way. Yeah, so there is Nadie from the Netherlands. Her story coming up in a moment, kicking off season 11 of the Being Freelance podcast. Um, Hope everything is well with you right now. We record this, you're listening to this during the coronavirus um, situation, lockdown in a lot of countries. And the world is a weird one. But the podcast is still happening for the time being, especially because uh, the first episodes you're going to hear are ones that I recorded before it all kicked off. So, yeah, that's why we don't talk about it. That's why we, we talk about things. Remember this, like meeting people, flying places, going to events. What, what, what are these things? Anyway, that coming up in a moment. Tell you what, though, uh, in all seriousness, if you are listening to this as it goes out, which is the weirdest of times, please don't be freelance alone. Please don't either literally be alone in your house or, you know, with other people who don't get what it's like being freelance and being self-employed. Come and join a community of others from around the world. And this really is affecting everybody around the world. Uh, You can find them in the Being Freelance community. There is a link at beingfreelance.com. Click on the button. Come through. Everybody is there to either have a laugh with or to offer support, to offer ideas if you're trying to brainstorm things to do with your business at the moment. They're there for you. And uh, I'm doing extra things like a virtual pub quiz every now and again, virtual coffee chats, and we do the book club as well. Please do come find us, the Being Freelance community, whether you're right in the middle of the coronavirus thing or it is long since past gone and it is history, you will still find us in there. Beingfreelance.com is the website where you get articles, videos, obviously over 200 episodes of this podcast, but also importantly, the link through so that you can get into the community. Come find us, please do. Right, let's crack on with this episode then and chat to Nadi Bremer, who is a data visualization designer. Hey, Nadi. Hey, hello. Thanks so much for doing this. Now, as ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Yeah, so I'm actually an astronomer, then I became a data scientist, and then I became interested in data visualization. And I was then working for a consultancy, but I got a job as a database uh, designer at another company called Agen. And I was working creating dashboards for about a year. And in the meantime, I started on this gigantic personal project collaboration. Uh, and the, I, for six months, I was creating these sort of creative data visualizations on the side. And and I just I just started noticing that, that that was exactly the kind of data visualization that I enjoyed doing, not dashboards. So after six months, I got, well, we, for the collaboration, we got um, an email from Google News Lab saying, like, do you want to work together? And I was like, 
gosh, yeah, you know, this freelancing thing, it seems kind of cool. And I've always been financially scared to do it, but you know, with a client like Google as your first client, that would be a very good way to start. Uh, so I didn't want to say no. So, so then I was like, okay, let's, let's try this thing. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. So much to rewind over. For a start, <laughs> you did say you were an astronomer. Yes, I'm I'm officially a graduated astronomer. Wow. And did you ever work as an astronomer? No, no, not in, a, in any kind of business sense. No. Okay. So you graduated in astronomy, which is fascinating, but I'll park that, <laughs> <laughs> and got into data visualization. So how did Google find your personal project? How were you putting it out there? So it was like 12 projects, a year long, one project per month. But we both made, uh, me and Shirley Wu, uh, we both made a project. And um, we had done two months secretly, silently. And then we had created a website for those two projects and explained the project, the, the process, that it's going to be 10 more. And we were creating these very long design blogs about how the final version came to be. And before that point, we'd already done other personal projects, but much smaller. So we, we'd had like a, a small Twitter following. Uh, and then we could kind of put it out there on Twitter, um, thinking that maybe our friends would like it. And then, then it was a little bit bigger than we expected. So more people started liking it and following us. And so we met people that are you know, more, more famous in the data visualization society. And one of these, these, uh, these people, they, that was actually the art director for, for Google. So after we got into contact and uh, then he reached out a few months later. Amazing. So while you're working doing dashboards and, it, you know, obviously I speak to different people doing lots of different jobs. It doesn't matter whether we understand what dashboards means. It was obviously a bit that you didn't that you didn't like doing. But you you went on. But your data visualization is, is almost like art, right? You These intricate kind of designs and patterns that yeah. I've seen anyway. <laughs> so as well as creating those you were doing a behind the scenes you're like breaking it down right yes exactly yeah very like from idea to data finding gathering cleaning sketching and making it how did that then change because i mean it's one thing for google to take an interest and for them to get in touch but then to actually go okay right i'm i'm a freelance business now like how what, what was that process like for you I think it went fairly uh, painlessly in that sense. I talked to a lot of friends who were freelancers to get their tips. I read books about, you know, the do's and don'ts of starting freelancing. Uh, in the Netherlands, thankfully, it's not very difficult to start up your own freelance business. Um, so I just, you know, I got an accountant, I got an, an accounting system, and I got started. And then it was just putting out there that I was available for hire. And again, through the through my Twitter, um, I was able to slowly start finding people that were interested in, in hiring me. And then I also tried, you know, I added Instagram, which I never did before. And I was becoming more active on LinkedIn, just sending stuff on there, just really trying to get this word out. So hopefully people would start coming back to me. I'm not, I'm not the person that can do like sales. I'm more the person that does like, this is what I do. Look at it. And if you like it, please come and find me. <laughs> Just to put things in perspective, when was it that you went freelance? It was at the start of uh, 2017. So January 1st. And so your first client was Google. What does it look like for you? Is that like working with one company for six months or is it working with multiple companies at once? How does it look like for you? For me, I prefer to have uh, three, maybe four clients at the same time. They're all kind of ranging between something from two weeks to maybe two months and the longest ones that I've done. 
Um, and then I really enjoy this sort of being able to work on one client for uh, the Monday and then switch to another client for Tuesday while I wait on feedback from the client I did the day before. Uh, if I've worked too long on the same project days after end, I sort of get creatively drained and having multiple clients really helps me to sort of I always sort of look forward to the next day when I'm working on the other thing again. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. How do you find dealing with clients? Generally, it's it's okay. I mean, I've had I've had some lesser uh, interactions, but generally it's very well. I think it's maybe because what I do is this very it's a niche of a niche. It's like it's not database. It's very sort of creative, artful database. So people that reach out to me really kind of want that kind of style. So in that sense, um, there's not much trouble in sort of figuring out if I'm the right person or not for what they really want. But sometimes things can go a little bit awry when it's it's more about the contract and stuff and liabilities and these things. How have you coped with that? Like, do you, you look like you won't stop working until you've got something in place or are you a little bit more relaxed about it? How, how have you approached the business side of things? I started out being like very strict. Like I wouldn't start working until the contract was signed, preferably even if the first sort of payment or invoice of send out not received because that I means some companies take like six weeks to pay but at least it was it was sent out i've have become a little bit more relaxed i have to admit because uh get setting up that sort of statement of worker contract is just such such a hassle um and uh so now it depends on how the initial conversations went with the client and how much i kind of trust them or if they've been referred to me by somebody I trust a lot then I will be a little bit more lax and if I feel like the client may be a little bit scatterbrained or uh, maybe needs I need to make sure uh, that it's that it's fixed in a contract or if the just the project is so big that I really need to make it into a contract I will become more strict but for the smaller ones or the and especially the ones I've done like returning clients I will be very lax. <laughs> mm. And where are your clients? Like, are they around the world? Are they mainly in Europe or mainly in the Netherlands? They are mainly in the US and in Europe. And actually, I have very few in the Netherlands, but I guess most of them are US based. Yeah, which can make it tricky with time zones. Yeah. How do you cope with that? Uh, I'm a morning person and San Francisco is nine hours <laughs> difference. So it's, you know, just learning how to do evening calls <laughs> and still and still being um, like mentally there enough and not already halfway going to sleep. It's, it's not my favorite thing. I really, I really try and do calls only at the start, maybe like an introduction call and maybe uh, a kickoff call. But after that, it's mostly email conversation for me. But other than that, like how would you structure your day? So you wait it towards the morning, do you? Yeah, yeah. So typically start at eight, um, try and spend no more than an hour, maybe two on emails that have come in during uh, during when I was asleep or in the evening, which is quite nice because, because most of my clients are US based. It stays very quiet in my mornings. So I sent those out and then I kind of start on like the client project that I have in mind then. And that may go on until lunch. Uh, I might do something else, like maybe I need to make a portfolio page, might do that for two hours. And then the rest of the day I spend on the projects that I was working on. And then also the other calls come in, maybe calls with um, uh, other freelancers to talk about very specific stuff, calls with clients, prospective clients. That is mostly that starts at around four and goes on to like seven, but not every uh, not every night, of course. But generally, that's that's how it's structured. You mentioned other freelancers. Do do you collaborate with people on actual projects, or is that more just a social thing? 
it's it's both. So I actually uh, worked together with Shirley from that bigger collaboration that got me started freelancing. We worked together on several very big projects that we just couldn't do alone. So now actually we've been having a lot of calls. She's also in San Francisco, um, having a lot of calls because we just were uh, publishing a book together about that project. So there's a lot of calls going back and forth about the specifics. Um, I'm also in a committee to organize a conference on database and most of the other committee members are in the US. So that's also why I have evening calls. Uh, and sometimes it's just like fun to it's like, hey, I haven't talked to you in two months. Why don't we do a call? Whoa. So I, <laughs> I've not spoken to many people who have are organizing a conference with people on the other side of the world. How did <laughs> how have you ended up doing that? Um, so the person in charge of organizing the conference, um, she's a good friend of mine, and she just reached out and she's like, "Do you do you want to join the committee and organize the conference?" And I, during my university days, I was in so many committees doing like organizing all kinds of stuff, and it's been I don't know six seven years since I'd done that, and I was just feeling like, yeah, I guess, I guess I am ready to, to do another <laughs> committee now. <laughs> what does that look like for you? What, what does it actually take? In all honesty, I, I could not tell you yet because it's, it's literally only been four weeks that we started uh, planning the, <laughs> the conference. So I've only had like three calls, uh, but it's going to be intense. I've heard. Uh, but for now, it's mostly thinking about the structure, thinking about a name, <laughs> thinking about a location. So it's a lot of brainstorming still and a lot of Google Docs sharing and, and putting out comments and other people's ideas and that stuff. But I've, I, I, am, I am prepared for the onslaught of hours that I need to invest in the future. That's so cool. And what are you hoping, other than like, it sounds like you get a bit of a buzz out of organizing things and being organized. <laughs> <laughs> Picking up on that. Um, like, what, what do you hope to get out of that? Is it... Um, is it potential clients that the conference is aimed at or is it peers, I guess, like other people like yourself? Yeah, it's it's really aimed at peers. And I'm doing this really to get this experience to work together very intensely with a select group of people for a specific time to set up, like create something that hopefully will help the community. That kind of that kind of drives me to be able to to make something that will be useful for other data visualizing people. And are you involved in communities in person and online already? Uh, yes, but no, I'm not extremely active yet. There is something that's called the Data Visualization Society that's been up since a year and they have a gigantic Slack channel, which almost kind of scares me away due to how big it is. <laughs> um, so my, my, my community involvement is that I write these blogs and design posts. So I kind of, I kind of share my, my knowledge in that sense and create code snippets and more, I guess I'm more of a sender. I've not really yet been like a back and forth kind of person in my online activities. Let's talk about that though, because that sounds like, so through going through your process, like learning out loud kind of thing, mm -hmm. that sounds like a big part of your marketing. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely at the start. Um, I would, when I was learning to program in, uh, in the tool that I use to create my data visualizations, I would have something very specific, like how do I put text on a curved line? And I could not find a tutorial for that. And I would spend hours piecing it together from Stack Overflow and other like forum uh, and, and these kind of websites. And then I figured it out. And then I was like, oh, I might as well, like, 
I want other people to make it have it more easy. So I created a blog about it, but also partly because I knew at some point in the future, I would probably want to put text on a curve line again. And now I could read my own blog, <laughs> which I do, <laughs> but it was mostly for other people. Um, and, and having these design posts, I just really, I always enjoy seeing other people, like when they see the final result and I'm like overwhelmed by how beautiful it looks, I really want to understand how they came to that point in the thought process and the work in progress, because I so enjoy that from other people, but I don't see it very often. I do it myself. So I try and, and have these design posts for my favorite own projects. Like all, they are really, 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 really long. Uh, with lots of work in progress and, and the ugly parts and then slowly flowing into what I what I was sort of the final thing that I presented. I mean, how much work goes into those? Is it like a regular thing or is it just as, as a, I guess, a bit more ad hoc as and when? Yeah, it's more ad hoc. So it's like when the opportunity arises, when I feel like I have a new project that went through some interesting phases or I have a new uh, thing that I might want to teach people. Um, then I will sort of put it on my list of things to do. Uh, and when it's on there, once it's on there at some point, it'll come to pass because I really want to scratch it off the list. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it takes, I think, um, the last blog post that I wrote about the biggest project I've ever done took me two like full days to, uh, to make from scratch. And I, I always take like hundreds of screenshots while development. So at least the, the, I have all of the stuff that I need, but I just need to curate it and write my uh, story around it. That's brilliant. And so I'm just intrigued. Is that being seen by your peers who then might recommend you for work? Or is the sort of industry that you work in, basically your potential clients are also, I guess, geeking out over that as well? Like who who is reading it and seeing it and how, how is it? benefiting you other than being at your own library and yeah uh, of, of work well actually it's both of those things so I've had uh clients reach reach out to me that are like oh I saw this uh, piece of you and then I came across the design blog and I'm like wow and then uh then so maybe you know we can do something together and that might flow into an actual project I guess these people though are a little bit more uh technically inclined themselves already to want to uh, read the sort of design blog so it could be managers from a specific um, department. Uh, and then there are others. I also have heard when um, uh, I also speak at conferences. So they say like that person referred to me, saw your work online or you, heard you speak at a conference. And uh, then I then I went to your website and saw your portfolio. I think your style is what we are looking for. Can we maybe work on blah, blah, blah. So you speaking at conferences, did you go after that or did people come to you after seeing your blog? Um. So the first time I, I applied to this sort of uh, call for proposals, uh, it was really just because the speakers get a free plane ticket, a hotel, and ticket to the conference. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good deal. Yes. Yeah. So uh, that was that was really my my first reasoning because I I, I really wanted to meet other people in database, and this was a database uh, this was a database conference uh, back in the mid 2016. 
oh, I got I have such stage fright. I couldn't sleep for two days before that. But after I was, you know, after I came off the stage, this feeling of of I don't know adrenaline and rush and having told your story and then talking to the people afterwards about what you just told, it was something that after that point is like, oh yeah, this is this is actually quite fun. It's stress stressful as heck. It takes a lot of time to create these presentations, but it's so much fun to connect to people in this way. See, because you you mentioned like telling your story, is that the main thing that you speak about or is that what you started with and then you kind of developed talks do you have some that you kind of like keep doing again and again your greatest hits or is each one a new one (laughs) um i uh these days i tend to create like a new talk after about a year so i i the talks that i make are um sort of interactive slides so it's basically every slide is a web page and i slide through the web pages um, and that that create, uh, gives me the possibility to have these sort of anime and data visualization interactivity inside my slides. So they take like they take a month and a half or two months of evening work to uh, to create. So that's I create one a year, and then slowly my library of possible presentations to give grows. Although I usually do my most recent one, I do try and see if the audience of the place that invites me to speak fits that because I like talking about a little bit more. The technical side but sometimes these sort of management kind of conferences ask me to speak and i'm like I'm not quite sure we're the right fit if they are not creating data viz themselves this will probably be boring to them so ah. and how many how many talks would you say you do a year then i think i do uh like 10 or 12 internationally and then a bunch more just locally here in the netherlands at meetups and and like small businesses that that's right i mean congratulations thank by you the way. <laughs> <laughs> because that's but that isn't by that's no uh, small feat basically because as you say they they take a lot of effort they I, I'm, I'm guessing they take quite a bit of out of your time that you would be doing client work as well exactly yes when I when I started freelancing I was just saying yes to every kind of conference that asked me to come and then I started noticing that um, I mean they do sometimes they do have a a speaker fee but it it never covers the amount of time that you as a freelancer cannot work just the traveling the adjusting the preparing the actually being there the going back it's such a chunk of time so um i used to do more but now i'm like okay maybe maybe a little bit less maybe four in the spring season maybe four in the in the fall season if you know if people ask me at all uh and 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 then usually one or two may come on again that i didn't foresee but i'm like oh that sounds like a cool conference i actually want to want to go there myself beyond that initial ticket and as you say the the fee isn't you know the fee isn't your income uh the, the 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 fee is nice have you noticed a benefit to your business it's very hard to say so i I do have people that reach out to me and they say that they've been referred to by someone else. What I don't really have a, a view on is if that person saw me speak at a conference or if that person saw me through online means. So I don't quite know. And that makes it tricky to sort of figure out if, you know, how many how many of these conferences should I, should I be doing? I mean, in general, it does lend you with this sort of uh, like marker of this person probably knows what she's speaking about. Uh, kind mm. of label that you get invited to conferences um but how much it, you know if it if it's financially worth it i truly don't know but i've now sort of compromised with the fact that 
you know, I want to go to conferences myself and these, these are really good deals to go to them. So I may be a little bit more picky about the kind of conferences I say yes to. If they, if they appeal to me personally, then I will say yes. No, that's great. Now you trade as visual cinnamon, isn't it? Yes. Is that how you started or is that something you've created recently? It's, it's how I started. Even before I was freelancing, I had this sort of blog. What was it again? Blogspot? Blog post? The, the, the Google version of this free yeah, blog. Blogspot. Yeah, that oh. one. Um, and I, somebody told me that, you know, oh, you should get your own domain name. And then I needed a domain name and that became Visual Cinnamon because all everything that seemed logical was taken. And then, <laughs> and then I really, I, I pulled up a website that gave me 20 random words on each click and I just read through them and I clicked several times and then cinnamon was one of the words. And I was like, ah, oh, cinnamon, you know, I like that word. I like that word. It's easy to say, it's easy to write. It's like, it's a good spice. It makes everything better. Uh, <laughs> I became visual cinema. It's, it's that much thought went into it. Yeah. And then I had the website and then became freelance. Like, yeah, now, now I'm stuck with the brand. <laughs> That's good. Though. So do people know you as visual cinnamon? Do they know you by your name or is it just a combination? It doesn't matter. It's, it's a combination. Some people just know me by visual cinnamon and others uh, know me by name because I do use my name a lot in more of these sort of on, on Twitter. I'm just Nadi Bremer. Uh, and not visual cinnamon. So it, there's a mix from where, how people know me. You said that you like to make a list. How do you stay productive? Is that like a physical list? Do you, are you a Trello or a Sana type person? Like, how, how do you stay on top of things? Um, so I've created this extensive Google sheet where I have several sheets and one of them is sort of the my pipeline. Um, so client, possible clients, what is the last action that I did to them? When do I want to reach out to them again if I haven't heard from them before date X and like when were their calls? And I kind of look at this every morning. Um, there are some other things in there as well, like hours, uh, hours that I've actually spent, hours that I'm planning to spend in the next uh, next weeks on possible clients so I can see like how much bandwidth I have for possible new projects and a few more of these tabs that have grown over the years. Uh, I use Toggle to track my time. And then the other thing is that for my like, my really for uh, things to do during the week, I have this giant stack of uh, square papers. I don't know what the English term for them is, like the small, like post-it like stickers. Papers. Yeah, post-it notes. Yeah, but they don't stick. But anyway, I. Oh, I, right. I, <laughs> a non sticky post it notes. Exactly. <laughs> they should have a shorter name for that. Yeah. Um, so I just write out, like, oh, do this for client X, do that for client uh, Y. Uh, and then, you know, when it's done, or make portfolio for project what. And then I can just really, I really scratch it off with a pen, like, very, very very clearly like a lot of ink is is wasted on scratching it out when it's done (laughs) (laughs) i've got to say i've felt that recently like you know i every now and again i try and get really organized with trello and then i think but i really enjoy forcing things out (laughs) on paper yes it's is this feeling of accomplishment of being able Mm. to sort of push it aside out of your mind of things to do that's really cool though with your google sheets i think sometimes we forget how good like so you just flick through it every day yeah, I don't. I mean, my my. I have a few clients at any time and a few things in the pipeline. It's not something that I cannot sort of. It's small enough, so I can don't have need to have some sort of fancy um, other thing on top of that. Thankfully. Yeah. No, but it works. No, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Are you somebody who sets goals? You obviously have a lot going on. 
and you're obviously organized but are you somebody who thinks long term about what you're doing I used to a long, long time ago, and then I came at the end of astronomy and I didn't know what I wanted. And then since then, I have just, uh, one, I wanted to have a goal, but I've basically only been following my passion. Like, what is the thing I enjoy most doing right now? Or what is the thing that I think I will be enjoying most? Uh, so when at first I was data science, then I discovered like, oh my God, this data viz thing. And then I sort of rotated that way. And then I went into that, well, using the word again dashboarding uh and then i discovered more like ah <laughs> oh, creative data viz and then i turned that way again into freelancing and i have literally no idea if my next year is going to be exactly the same as now or if it's going to be different because something else came up upon my path yeah but whatever it is do you think that you'll be sharing that process along the way yeah yeah i do think i will i, I yeah i just I learned so much from other people talking very honestly about what's what they have chosen, why they have done things or how they are doing things, both from like a personal and a technical perspective that I just kind of want to give that back as well from my perspective. Just be another voice. What would you say is the biggest challenge for you being freelance? I think for me, it's it's setting up good contracts. Uh, it's kind of it's maybe kind of strange. It's. The thing has to do with in the Netherlands, when you're a freelancer, you are, you as a person is the company. So that means if shit happens, something goes very wrong, they can take you for everything that you have. That's including your house and including all of your savings. And that kind of frightens me. And there's no insurance that I've been able to find that covers that, especially working with US companies, because the um, lawsuits there can go a little bit higher than Dutch insurance companies are willing to pay. Um, mm. So it's always this sort of really, really looking through contracts that they send because often I need to accept the contract of the client, but it doesn't mean that I can make changes. So I need to be very careful in reading all of the legalese and always adding like, can you put in this piece about liability that says that you cannot sue me for more than what you paid me for? Uh, and some of them nice. will accept that, others won't accept that. Uh, I mean, you hope, of course, that it's never actually going to happen, but because it's... Um, because I am like this control freak and financially want to have be have some sort of assurance, it, it always kind of contracts in a way kind of scare me. And that's why I find them difficult to do. Yeah, no, that's good though. Now, I always do this thing where mm -hmm. I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me, Nadi? All right, so... Um, during my late teens, I knew every song from the Disney animated movie since I was born when just hearing the first three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, w I wish I had Spotify open to test this. If it, <laughs> um, so some of my bigger online projects have these Easter eggs. And if people find them and message me sort of the, this, the, the right word, they get a small price. <laughs> right. That's nice. Is that fact number two? Yes. <laughs> okay. And for number three is that uh, when I look for hotel rooms, uh, I almost completely judge a room by looking at the bathroom and seeing if there's a shower curtain or if it's something else like glass or a walk-in shower. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> That's a weird one if that isn't true. Like to, <laughs> just suddenly, huh, how do I? Although there is, there is an ongoing trend to... I stayed in a hotel room last year mm -hmm. where... The shower was literally right next to the bed. 
with <laughs> just a glass partition, like a clear glass oh. partition. Now, I was staying in the room on my own. <laughs> um, yeah, that and, worked. And I should say as well that the, the toilet was also like the, the shower room and the toilet was all one kind of thing, which meant if you were on the toilet, you were also looking out towards the, uh, towards the bed. <laughs> I, I did sit there and think, this, this doesn't quite feel right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems like they should have matted the glass. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. I mean, even if you're a couple, then maybe the toilet part is not something you wanna you wanna share. Yeah, there's that oversharing, over isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that I mean, that could be true because that just seems really weird to make <laughs> up, unless of course you you care not a jot about bathrooms. So, um, Easter eggs. You like to hide Easter eggs in your work. I don't know. That sounds fun. That sounds possible. That sounds right. Like... I do things in code, so it's easy to hide yeah. stuff. But equally, I will be very disappointed if you can't recognize the opening seconds of every single <laughs> Disney song. <laughs> okay. I, d I don't know how to test that one. No, actually, I'm going to say that one's a lie. You don't know all the Disney songs. No, I do. I, <sighs> I do. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> It was even a challenge during my uh, during my university years. They would they would test me. They would play a song, and then like within like three seconds, oh, that's a little mermaid. That's that song. I mean, I've I feel like I've lost the power now. I mean, I haven't tested it in the last five years, but there was a time. No, it's a muscle that needs to be flexed. Yeah, uh, I imagine, but I'm sure yeah. you could get that strength back. That superpower is <laughs> yeah. well worth having. In in which case, you don't care about bathrooms. That's the lie. No, I care a lot about, I like, <laughs> if there's a shower curtain, I'm not taking the room. <laughs> it's like the, the way the bathroom looks is a proxy for how well the room and the hotel is as a whole. That's sort of, that's, that's, I'm not saying that's true. That's how my mind has transformed yeah. itself over the last years. Yeah, no, it's, it's probably not a bad thing. So yeah, if it's got a shower <laughs> curtain on a bath, it's never going to be a good shower. Yeah. So the Easter eggs was the light. I thought that was totally yeah. true. No, it's it's something that I've never done. But once I was thinking about it, thinking about the lie, and I wrote this one down, I'm like, maybe I should start doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, okay, if there was one thing you could tell your younger self, what would that be? Just keep doing what you think you love the most. It'll work itself out. How nice is that? Uh, Nadi, it's been so nice speaking to you. Thank you so much. Go to beingfreelance.com. There is a link through so that you can see everything that she's up to with Visual Cinnamon. Go find her online and reach out and say hi. Uh, maybe you might even see her speak at some point uh, if you're in the data visualization world as well. Of course, if you've enjoyed this, please do share it online wherever you like to share things, be it LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. I don't care. Maybe a meetup. Go up to somebody. Tell them about it. Share it with a fellow freelancer. Uh, that would be awesome. And if if you're a freelancing parent don't forget i also co-host the doing it for the kids podcast search for that and i hope you enjoyed that too but for now nadi thank you so much and all the best being freelance thank you very much Bye.